Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, you get me today. (laughs) I'm excited to preach today. It's going to be a good day. We're going to have some fun, hopefully. Um, But Pastor Jared already stole my thunder. I was going to tell everybody that they needed to wish Amelia a happy birthday today, and you had to, you know, get on her Facebook and all that, but here I did that. So let's just get into the sermon today, and uh, we are going to talk about sack lunches today, all right? Hence the sacks that you all got when you came in here, all right? I don't know. The joke has been going around that they're, they're barf bags, but they're not. It is not going to be that bad, all right? So you're not allowed to say that anymore, all right? It's already out there, okay? So, (laughs) uh, but for you who might not know, uh, I just want to tell everybody in here and online that at my house, I I am the sack lunch maker, packer. I don't want to say packer because I don't like the packers and it just messed with my mind, but that's what I am at my house. I make almost, almost every single day, I pack Maddie and Molly their lunches. All right, and um, mainly because they're picky eaters. All right, like I don't know what they're just so picky; they don't like anything. So every day, almost every day, uh, there's probably like one or two times a week where I don't have to, but almost every day, I pack Maddie and Molly's lunch. I just want to remind everybody that I have two amazing daughters, and I love them, um, but they have two very distinct, different personalities. And you can actually tell that by their lunchboxes, all right? Maddie's lunchbox, uh, I'll pack her in a, in a lunchbox, I'll pack it all in there, and I'll send it to her. She'll take it to school, and uh, she'll bring it home. She'll bring it home, and she'll give it to me so that the next day I can pack a lunch for her in that lunchbox, all right? Molly, on the other hand, we have bought two lunchboxes for her. We have sent those lunch boxes with her to school with a lunch inside of them, and neither of those lunch boxes has ever come home. <laughs> Actually, she has told me that uh, her friend and her who share this uh, locker, that they have a section in their locker, like the little shelf in there, that they have just stored stuff. Like, it's just, through the whole year, they just put stuff in there. That's where her lunch boxes have been is in this little cubby at the top of her locker. She has never brought it home. So every single day, I um, pack Molly a lunch in this brown paper sack that like you guys all have, all right? And I do that, and every single day, I decide that uh, when, since we started doing this, I was like, I'm going to write her a little note on this bag, which, side note, you can use your bag to write down notes for my sermon today. You know, so that little helpful reminder, that's, that's what they're for, not puking in, not hyperventilating, nothing. They're to write notes in and remember this sermon, okay? It's a helpful hint, all right? There you go, all right? But anyway, I write down uh, something nice, something encouraging on Molly's lunch bag every single day, like Molly the Great or Molly the Smart or Molly the Magnificent. And I just did that uh, all year, as long as I could, about half the year, actually, um, since she didn't ever bring her lunch bags home. Um, and I write these notes to encourage her in the middle of the day. So as she's going throughout her day, if she's having a rough day, she can see this and be like, oh, hey, I am smart, great, awesome, whatever I wrote on that day. Um, but a few weeks ago, she informed me that she didn't want me to do that anymore because it embarrassed her. 
But lucky for her, I don't mind embarrassing my kids a little bit. So I said, I'm going to do it anyway. So I just kept writing on the, the lunch bags. And I know she loves it and she likes it. Uh, or at least that's what I tell myself. So I'm going to keep doing it. And uh, she's going to have to deal with it. Or she can bring her lunch bag home. And then I can't, I'm not going to write on that one. But, you know, that's, that's who she is. So it's fine. Um, now, when I was a kid... I took a sack lunch every day to school, not because I was picky, but because I had to. We didn't, I went to a small uh, Christian school, and we didn't have like a kitchen where we could have them make us food or anything like that. I mean, uh, so it was really small Christian school. I mean, like not to brag, but I did graduate top three in my class. Uh, of course, I only graduated with three people, but that's another story for another day. We don't need to get into that today. This morning, though, I would like to show you what a typical lunch looked like for me. So I actually packed my lunch, and I brought it here to show you. This is what I would have taken as a kid in school um, every single day. I'll turn this in. Here we go a little bit. Um, so I thought we would start off with the staple of the lunch sack, and that is the sandwich. And so I brought a sandwich here. Uh, pretty much every single day, I would have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, all right? I checked with my sister to make sure that it was okay, that, that, that that's what it happened, and she said it is. So um, <laughs> I would have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich pretty much every day. And this is why I'm convinced that I don't really like to eat peanut butter anymore. I, I don't hate it. I just don't really, I would eat anything, I would rather eat anything else, okay? Um, but so every single day, I would have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. On rare occasions though, my dad, who I love, who's a little bit cheap, would like to go, and that's okay, I love, I, I'm a little cheap too, but you know, every once in a while, he would go to Aldi's and buy, I don't know, it's just disgusting meat. It was not good meat. It's different Aldi's back then than it is today. I'm not cutting on Aldi's, go, go if you shop there, that's all right, but I would rather eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich than that stuff, all right? But uh, so peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Matt, are you hungry today? Here, I just made it today. It's, it's good. It's, nothing's wrong with it. Here you go, bud. There you go. You can, uh, in case I keep you too long, go ahead and eat that up, all right? <laughs> Next would be one of the best things ever in a lunch that you could get, all right? And that, um, something that, let me see here. Oh, yeah, a little snack pack. Everybody loves a snack pack, right? And those are important to keep, to hang on to, because these uh, have good trading power maybe later, all right? So you want to hang on to these, and I love these, and these are good, so that's awesome to have in your lunch. Pastor Jared, I saw that you shook your head pretty hard on that one. You like those? Here, I got you a spoon, too. You can come up here. I don't know if it's going to fly. Oh, yeah, it does. Woo! That's why he sits on the bench during softball. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I can't apologize because he, he's, he's ripped up my team last two weeks. <laughs> Just kidding. They won. All right. They got the golden steed. I can, I can. Okay, move on. Let's go. Snack pack. <laughs> it took me all week to get over that. I'm sorry. Okay. The, <laughs> then one of my favorite things ever to get in a lunch, uh, and I think most people would agree, is banana. Get your banana. All right. These are so good. I couldn't wait to get. No, I'm lying. I hate bananas. I just hate them. I, I never had one in my lunch, and I'm so thankful um, because they're disgusting. Coach Mike, here you go, bud. You can eat that up, all right? Hey, all right, you guys can do it out. They're brothers. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> if you like bananas, that's fine. Uh, they're not for me, okay? 
But then you would either have chips or in some cases, if my mom was feeling real nice that day, you get Cheez-Its. We like Cheez-Its, okay? This is good. Another thing that uh, is good for maybe trading later, but Cheez-Its are really good. So this is something that I would get. Tony, you like Cheez-Its? All right, here, come on, come on, get it. These are not going to fly. They're light. Here you go. All right, enjoy. Again, in case I get a little long, you can have a little snack. Then uh, you get a drink. So either you'd get this or, uh, or, you'd, or you'd forget this and you'd just have to deal with it and drink water every day. So these were a hot commodity, all right? You really want a juice box. Here you go, Mukai. There you go. All right. Um, now, all of that is great, and I'm so grateful that we had food to take. But I just want to be honest with you today what, because what I really wanted in my lunch as a kid every single day, and I probably would have eaten one actually every single day, was a Lunchable. Love Lunchables. I love them. I still eat them. Uh, I saw, but listen to me. It's not the disgusting pizza Lunchables. That is gross. My kids love them, and they are gross. I don't know what the crust is made out of, but they're not, no. I want the one that has the ham and the cheese and the crackers in it. This one has... Go, go ahead. You can give it over the Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, this one has a cookie in it, but I would take really anything, you know, in it. So, uh, you, yeah, yeah. Come on. I'm going to run down here. Sorry, camera people. I'm going to keep them on their toes. Here you go. There you go. Yeah, it's here. you can eat that. But I would eat one of those every day. Again, I was thankful for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but really, Lunchable's where it's at. All right. Now, there's something else, after you get all that stuff out, there's something else that comes into play when you're sitting at the lunch table. I kind of alluded to it with the snack pack, but the thing that comes into play when you're sitting at a lunch table is the art of the trade. That's very important, all right? I don't know if kids get to trade these days, but I did back then, all right? And we did as we would sit around. Now, I think we all can point to that kid in school who always had the best stuff in his lunch, all right? Like, Man, they always had like the best cookies or the cheeses or or some sort of some sort of good drink. They just had that stuff that well, at least I always wanted. I mean, I couldn't wait to have that. And so you look at that and you look at everybody's stuff, and there is where the art of the trade begins. All right, because you now have to figure out a way to get those great cookies that 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 kid has brought in his lunch out of his lunch and into your mouth by trading him something, uh, something of worth from your lunch. And because you didn't pack your lunch, all that you have to offer is a cup of celery sticks, some peanut butter, and maybe some raisins that were left in your lunch uh, from a couple days ago. So you have to throw all that stuff together, give it a cool name like ants on a log, and hopefully they fall for that. And you can give them those ants on a log and you get the great cookie and the great goodness. Then when the trade is done, now you feel like you got a great treat and you made a good deal and you win. Now, I didn't come uh, here this morning just to talk about school sack lunches, but I did come to talk about an ordinary sack lunch that became a miracle. A young boy that brought a sack lunch that ended up feeding way more than just himself. So if you guys brought your Bibles or your cell phones or if you didn't bring anything, that's okay. You can look up on on the screen. But let's go ahead and turn to John 6, and we'll read this story together today. John 6, 1 through 13, and we'll see what I'm talking about, okay? 
uh, it says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on, on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus, took up, uh, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they, will they go among so many? <clears throat> Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all, the, when they had, all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Okay? That's where I want to stop. Here is what's happening. Jesus and the disciples have been traveling and seeing miracles happen. They had seen water that got turned into wine. They had seen sick people healed. They've seen lame get up and walk. They had seen, seen Jesus step onto the scene and, lit, and lives were being changed all of the time. Then they get to this spot on the far side of Galilee to rest and regroup. They get to this spot on the mountaintop and sit down and just as they are settling in, Jesus looks up and he sees that there is a massive crowd of people that have followed him, that have gathered. And instead of hiding or trying a different place to rest, Jesus started to teach these people and, and, and heal these people and do more miracles, and it eventually started to get really late. People started to get hungry, so Jesus looks at, at Philip and says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And of course, Philip and, and some of the disciples had the most human response in the world. Just send them home. There's, there's no way we have enough money to pay and to buy stuff for all these people. Send them home, Jesus. It's fine. But Andrew speaks up and says, hey, 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 wait, wait a second, everybody. This boy over here, he's brought a sack lunch for some reason. Don't know why, but he has a sack lunch. But it's really small. It's really insignificant. It's really tiny. He only brought five small barley loaves of bread and two fish. That's not enough for everybody to eat. But I guess he said we could have it. So the disciples took the small sack lunch that this boy had given them, and they gave it to Jesus. Now Jesus steps in, and he takes control, and he takes control of this situation, and he, he starts giving the disciples direction, and Jesus says, have everybody sit down, all right? Everybody sits down. Jesus gives thanks for the sm five small loaves of bread and two fish, and then, then miraculously, as the disciples start distributing the food, everybody who was there, which was about 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, were fed until they were full. Not only did everybody eat until they were full, but they had leftovers. I just want to stop for a minute right there and give Jesus a big shout out. Because not only does this scripture show us that Jesus will meet our, need, our earthly needs, but he will, be, he will go exceedingly above and beyond what we can ask. That's good news. That's something to, that, that right there, we could be done. But that is good news. We're not going to be done though yet. 
I gave you a sandwich, so don't complain, all right? <laughs> this all happened because one boy brought a, snack lunch, a sack lunch and was willing to give it to Jesus and see what Jesus could do with it. So with all that in, my, in mind, my question for you today is, where do you see yourself in this sack lunch lesson? Where do you see yourself in this sack lunch lesson? Do you see yourself as the disciples in the beginning of this story? Because they're different, and we'll look at that later. Uh, but do you see yourself as the disciple at the beginning of the story? And I like to call them the doubters. Is this where you find yourself in the sack lunch lesson, as the doubter? When a problem presented itself, the disciples doubted everything. They started looking at the physical instead of the miraculous, which... Honestly, it kind of boggles my mind because these guys have just been following Jesus around, watching him do miracle after miracle after miracle. But yet at this moment, at this time, they needed a miracle to happen. And what did they do? They doubted. They started to doubt. They looked at how much money it would cost for them to feed all the people. In fact, Philip says in John 6, 7, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. He instantly forgot everything that Jesus had done for him and for so many people and just looked at the cost of everything. They looked at their location and they decided it was really far out. It was too far out. And so people needed to leave at that moment. In fact, Mark 6, 35 through 36 says, by this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Here the disciples were at least trying to be nice and they thought it would be best if people left so they had time to go and buy food for themselves. It's like the disciples forgot who they were hanging out with. All of a sudden, they just forgot. Oh no, there's too many people here, Jesus. I, I mean, oh, oh man, we, we forgot what you did at the wedding in Cana. We forgot uh, how you healed the official's son. We forgot that, that you did some healing at the pool of Bethesda. We forgot all these miracles that, that we witnessed you perform time and time again. Yet I think a lot of the time we act just like the disciples acted in this passage. We're presented with a problem or a situation that just seems really overwhelming to us. And instead of trusting and believing that Jesus has our backs and he, and he will keep performing miracles just like he has always done, we instantly look at all of the surroundings, we look at everything around us, and, and, we have, and we look at what we physically have in our hands, and we turn into the biggest doubters ever. Maybe today you are faced with a situation that seems like there is no way out. And like the disciples, you are lost in your doubt. Don't forget his past miracles that he's done in your life. Don't forget what Jesus has done in your life. You may feel like you just have an ordinary life and, and, and nothing special happens. I want to I read out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want to read out of the Message Bible, though, the Message Translation, though, and see what it says about an ordinary life. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. <clears throat> Readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. 
develops well-formed maturity in you. I mean, hello, what is more ordinary than a sack lunch? But when placed before Jesus, it can become a miracle. We need to be willing to give every single part of our lives to God. Put your doubts, your situations in his hands. Stop trying to take control of things and believe that what God says he will do in your life, he will do. I love the first part of that scripture and how it says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. The little things, the big things, the ordinary things, the everyday things, the tough, the easy, the mountaintops and the valleys, it all needs to be given over to Jesus. And when we place our lives and our doubts and our situations before God, he will bring maturity into our lives. Let's stop always looking at the physical stuff all around us and let's keep believing that the miracle Jesus has done, he will still do. He will keep doing. He hasn't let you go. He hasn't forgotten about you. He is still... Jesus, and he's still master, ruler of your life. We just need to be willing to hand over what we have to Jesus. No matter how ordinary we think it might be, this passage proves that nothing is too ordinary for Jesus to use. Because Jesus can do way more with what we have than we can ever think or do ourselves, even if it's just a sack lunch. And that brings me to our next point. Maybe, do you see yourself like the boy? The giver? Here's a boy who was the only smart one to bring a sack lunch for this all-day affair. You tell me this boy is the only one that did this? This is the only one that's mentioned. He is the only one that's mentioned. Now, it wasn't a lot. And in John 6, 9, it says, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will, they go, um, uh, how far will that go among so many? That's the only thing that's said about this boy in all four Gospels. So just put yourself in the, in the kid's shoes for a minute. I like to do that sometimes when I'm reading the Bible. I like to put myself in the shoes of whatever I'm reading. So let's put yourselves, or in the sandals maybe. Maybe he's wearing sandals. I don't know. It doesn't say, okay? But uh, <laughs> just put yourself there for a minute. You're the only one out here out of 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, who brought food. The disciples come up to you, and they see that you have some food. Once they see that you have some food, they decide, I'm going to announce it. I'm going to just tell Jesus and everybody who can hear that this boy right here has food. Right over here, he has food. Now, as a kid, you have to decide whether to do the ultimate sack lunch trade ever or keep it to yourself. I'm human, so this is what I would do. Uh, all I'm saying is that if I'm this boy, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to keep this food for myself. I was the only one that's smart enough to bring it. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to hang out with Jesus because I'm the only one not hungry here. All these other people that didn't bring a lunch, that wasn't smart enough to bring a lunch, you could just deal with it. You guys can figure out what to do. I was a smart one here. I'm going to remember. In fact, you disciples who, who, have, who have been hanging out with Jesus and seeing him do all these miracles and still don't think he can feed all these people, you don't get my lunch either. I'm keeping it, all right? Um, but luckily, that's not what the boy did. No, he was a giver, and he knew he didn't have a lot to give, but he gave it. He gave it. 
And we don't know a lot more about this boy except he was young. He was actually young enough to not be counted in the 5,000 men. He had five small barley loaves and two small fish, and he was willing to give it to help feed everybody. We also know that more than likely, he was poor. He wasn't very, he didn't have a lot of money because barley loaves back then were a sign of poverty. So why would he give his only food away? I think it was because he knew that Jesus could do so much with so little. He was willing to give his tiny little insignificant sack lunch over to the hand of Jesus. And in Jesus' hands, it was about to get multiplied. It was about to, do, to get amazing, you know? Uh, it seems to me that Jesus is always using the small, insignificant things and people to do miracles. I mean, in Judges 6, God uses Gideon, a small, uh, Gideon and a small army to beat, to defeat the Midianite and their huge army. God sends an angel to tell Gideon that he is going to take a small army and he himself would have to go and beat the Midianites. Gideon response, this was Gideon's response to that request in Judges 6.15. It says, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. God told Gideon to do something and his reaction was, I'm too weak. My clan is too weak. There's no way that I can do anything. There's no way I'm going to beat this strong army. How could I do that? I'm just too small. I'm too insignificant. There's no way, God, that you can use me. Gideon even tried to test God to really make sure that he was the one to do such a big job. But I love God's response to Gideon. And in Judges 16, it says, The Lord answered, I will be with you. I will strike down all the Midianites together. And God did exactly what he said he was going to do. If you go read, and I, I urge you, go read the uh, Judges 6, the rest of Judges 6, you will see that God used Gideon, the weakest man in the weakest clan, to defeat one of the mightiest armies. You will also see that even though Gideon thought he was weak and in insignificant, God really saw him as a mighty warrior. And great things happened and Gideon won the battle with, with the Midianites, all because he was willing to give himself over to God, and in God's hands, anything is possible. I can remember how insignificant I felt when I got called into the ministry. I remember thinking and praying and telling God and arguing with God and, and just talking to him about, like, you have the wrong person. I don't like to speak in front of people. I don't know the Bible. There's plenty more people out there that can do a better job than me. Don't, I don't want... Uh, you're wrong. God, you're wrong. You know, don't say that, by the way. That's a terrible idea. But I did. All right. Then I realized after about a month of arguing and having those ridiculous thoughts and conversations with God, I realized that if I just put my life into God's hands, he can do great and mighty things, even the miraculous. And all I need to do is give him a little and just watch what he can do with that. All I have to do is give him what I have, and he will turn that into something so, so great and so miraculous. And I can go around, and, uh, around this room and probably pick out people who, who I have seen God do great and mighty things with just a little bit. You just give him a little, and I can, uh, he does so much. And he's multiplied you in so many ways. But today, I just want, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out two people that God really laid on my heart, who I've seen do great and mighty things because they just said yes to him, because they just gave a little. And when I think about this, 
Um, I have many great, awesome, all of my youth leaders are great, okay? So if you're one of my youth leaders, don't get hurt because I didn't say uh, your name. But the one youth leader that really has stood out as I prayed and I thought about this was, was Ben Bedwell. He didn't know I was going to talk about him, but Ben, uh, he, he stands out in my mind great. The reason it kept coming to my mind is because I asked him a while ago if he wanted to be a youth leader, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then I was like, well, do you and Anna want to lead uh, junior high? And you know that um, if, if you're a leader of junior high, that, that's a special kind of person, all right? <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not an easy task. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, yeah, sure. Now, in my mind, I knew that Ben would do a good job, but he hasn't done just a good job. He's done, why am I crying? I'm going to start crying. He's done a great job. He has done amazing down there with these kids and in youth. And, and this is just some, every time I turn around, he's connecting with another kid. I mean, he's just sitting by a kid. The first week that he was in youth, I was just like so blessed <laughs> because um, I just turned around and he had this chair and he just pulled this chair up by these two people that were sitting all alone, these two youth that were sitting all alone, and he just sat there the whole night with them. He talked to them at the beginning, sat there through service with them, connected with them afterwards, and that is so important to students these days. And he just did it. Then I'll see him during worship and he'll go up front with the kids. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter if everybody's doing this or not. Ben is always doing this. I'll look over there, and I'll just see Ben jumping and worshiping and praising um, the Lord with all these students. And he's always trying to get other students involved. And again, it doesn't matter if everybody's doing it or nobody's doing it. Ben is doing it. And he's just showing these kids, these students, how you can worship God. Again, so important. He is just doing awesome in there. Um, he also does so much more around here. So much more. He helps in Children's Church. He runs media for live stream whenever, uh, whenever, whenever they need it, he's on it. He will, he'll jump on a camera at any time if he needs that, if that needs to be done. He will even go into the nursery and hang out with the babies and, and just be there and help out with that. And uh, he probably does a million other things that I don't even know about. But again, that's just somebody who says yes. I will do it. He gives a little, and when he gives a little, God just multiplies it and does so much with him. And uh, he, he pretty much made my week this week when I got the call that he said, hey, I will go to camp with you this year and, and help out with students at camp, and Anna's going to go too. And that's just, that's huge, guys. And uh, the whole week, I was like, all right, I don't care what else happens. It's a great week because I have somebody to go to camp with me, and Ben's going to go with me. And so I just... Thank you, Ben, for, you know, just saying yes to, to God and just giving a little and watching God do great and miraculous with that. Another person that comes to my mind uh, when I was thinking about this, and I don't know if she's here or not here, but is Amelia Chadwick. And many of you guys probably don't even know who uh, Amelia is, but she is so faithful. She is so faithful and, and awesome. And every single week, if she needs to run media um, for here, for a live stream, or media for uh, youth, she is just on it. She, you know, something really great about Amelia is, is that she will respond to Planning Center right away. That is huge. I'm just saying, if you work in any area here, uh, you know, respond to Planning Center. But Amelia is 
just just amazing and she is so faithful she's quiet she doesn't have you know the loudest personality when she walks into the room but man she is faithful and she's like this is what i have to give and she gives it and god uses it and and does great and mighty things with it she's actually also helping train other students how to use media and it's just it's so amazing what god can do when you just give a little and i just thank you amelia wherever you might be if you're here or not but she is amazing there are so many more, like I said, in this room that I could talk about, but God really put those two on my heart as I was praying for this sermon. But maybe you find yourself in, in, in this part of the sack lunch lesson right now. You've gotten rid of doubt, and you have said, all right, God, I only have a little, but I give it. I'll give it to you. There's still one more important part in this sack lunch lesson. And maybe you find yourself like the disciples at the end of the story. So at the beginning of the story, they doubt. Doubt everything. You know, they got everybody should just leave. Now we get to the disciples at the end of the story, and they're the doers. They're the doers. Mark 6, 41 through 40, 43 says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. We have a different set of disciples from the beginning of the story. At first, they're like, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. Get everybody out of here. <clears throat> it's late. Time to go home. Uh, originally, uh, the disciples of Jesus, they came to the mountaintop to rest. So they were probably tired at this point. Now, to Jesus... Now, and, and now they're here, and Jesus gives thanks and gives the disciples the bread and the fish and then gives them a task to do. So we're just, again, put yourself in those shoes. Again, you're, you've just been walking with Jesus, seeing all these miracles. You go to the mountaintop. You think, finally, I get a break. I'm going to take a break. I get to sit down and rest, and then they look up crowds form. They're done doubting, but Jesus gives them a task to do. He says, distribute these to everybody. Just, again, put yourself in those shoes because now part of my family is here from Illinois. That means when we get ready to eat, there is about 14 of us. This is just a part of my family. Not all of them came, but this is a part of my family, and there's like 14 of us that need to eat. Last night, I cooked out. We cooked out on the grill, and um, after, after feeding just 14 people, I was like, I need a nap. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was enough. I couldn't imagine feeding 5,000 people, plus women, plus children, uh, when I'm already tired. But nowhere did it say the disciples were still like, Jesus, oh man, we can't do it. It's not enough, and we are just too tired. Let us sleep. Let us relax. No, that wasn't their attitude. The disciples decided to put action into what Jesus had already started putting into motion. Doubt was no longer in their minds. The boy had already surrendered everything he had. Now action had to happen. He needed to start moving. It wasn't until action happened by the disciples that the miracle was present. It wasn't like Jesus gave thanks, everybody sat down, and boom, there was enough fish and bread for everybody. That's not what the scripture says. It wasn't like that. No, it wasn't until the disciples took what they had been given and started to give it to all the people that the miracle started to happen. They started giving out fish, and they started giving out bread, and they just... It just never stopped. It kept going and going and going all the way until 
everybody was fed till they were full. But then uh, there's another miracle of 12 basketfuls left over. Jesus will go above and beyond our expectations when we just start to move. Let's not get stuck in any one of these uh, lessons here. Let's not be the doubter forever. Let's not be um, the, the giver forever. Let's not be, let's do all of them. Let's keep moving and moving and moving. Uh, and Jesus is going to go above our expectations. We can see this with blind Bartimaeus. Here's a guy who was blind sitting on the side of the road begging. He hears that, that Jesus is going to pass by and he just starts yelling. He just starts yelling for Jesus. And everybody around blind Bartimaeus is like, be quiet. Stop yelling. Sit down. Don't talk. You know? But he keeps shouting until Jesus is like, all right, bring him over here. Bring him over here. Bartimaeus gets up and is excited to talk to Jesus. When he finally gets over to Jesus, this is what Jesus says in, in Mark 10, 51a. It says, what do you want me to do for you? That's Jesus talking to a blind man. You get it? Why, why is Jesus, the all-knowing God, asking a blind man, what do you want from me? What, what, what do you need me? I see, you know, what? What do you need? You're out here begging and stuff. What do you need from me? Why in the world would Jesus do that? Clearly, this guy wanted to be healed from being blind. But Bartimaeus in Mark 10, 51b says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. In Mark 10, 52, we see what happens. It says, go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. With, Bar with Bartimaeus saying, Rabbi, I want to see. I believe that was, uh, that was him putting action to his faith. Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to put some action toward his healing. Jesus is looking for people who will surrender everything to him, even the small, ordinary things. But he's also looking for somebody who will put action behind the miracle he is going to do with you and in you. Let's be the person who says yes. Let's be the person who moves when Jesus says move. What I want you to take from this sack lunch lesson today, I have to retitle that. That's hard to say sometimes. Sack lunch lesson today, what I want you to take is when faced with a difficult situation, let's make sure we are not like the disciples in the beginning of the story. Let's not be like disciples in the beginning of the story. Let's not be the doubter. When those difficult situations present themselves, we should not look at the things around us and just start doubting everything. We need to realize that the ordinary, everyday thing, when placed before God, can turn into miracles. If you have to, look at the stuff that Jesus has done in your life. And realize that that's still the same Jesus we serve. The one who brought you uh, to where you are today, that's still the same Jesus we serve. So let's not doubt what he can do with our ordinary life. We need to be more like the boy in this story, who had every, who had very little to give, but when he gave it to Jesus, he watched Jesus multiply it into a great miracle. What do you have that you need to surrender and allow Jesus to multiply? Ask yourself that. What do I have? It doesn't matter how little it might be. Surrender it to him. Give it to him. And watch what he'll do with that little. And as we leave here today, let's not forget, forget to take action. The miracle didn't just manifest itself. The disciples had to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. They had to take the baskets, feed the people. And as they were moving, the miracle started to take place. Maybe, maybe Jesus is speaking to you right now and he's just telling you, move. Take a step. Watch what I can do. Then take another step. Watch what I can do. Take another step. Watch what I can do. 
Let's start moving and seeing what Jesus can do with us. Here it is, God. This is me. Here's my life. Okay, I'll start moving and doing what you ask me to do. And we will see, you will see that miracle start to manifest in your life. Give it over to him and watch. And again, I don't know what part of the sack lunch lesson you are at right now, but let me encourage you today to keep moving, keep surrendering everything to Jesus and watch the miracles happen in your life. Whatever situation you are faced with right now, keep moving. Don't stop. Surrender. Don't doubt. Surrender. Keep moving. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll pray. And then you guys can put action to this today. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you that we can come into your house, God. We thank you for this, uh, this little scripture about this little boy who had little to give, God, but he gave it, Lord, and we can learn so much from that. And we can take so much from that, God. And God, I just ask that we won't forget to keep moving, to put action to what you are telling us, God, what you are speaking to us, God. Whatever you have blessed us with, Lord, I ask that we would be the people to give it back to you so we can, so we can see what you can do with it, Lord. Be with us, God, as we move forward from here, Lord. Help us to surrender. Help us to take action, Lord. We love you and we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.